Attention everyone, this is an emergency broadcast. The unpleasant noise you are about to hear coming from your radio is not a mistake. Please do not turn off your radio, but turn up the volume on your receiver as high as it can go so that you can make the sound we broadcast as loud as possible. The monsters will now start attacking Tokyo. You may wish to deny it, but your eyes tell you it's true. Sound. I'll turn up the sound so you can hear the monsters dueling to the deck. Welcome to episode 233 of the Kaiju Cast, a podcast 100% dedicated to Godzilla and all of his rubber suited foes. My name is Kyle, and this is the first episode of May 2018. And one of the subjects that I don't really feel like I spend enough time talking about here on the podcast is collecting Kaiju figures. I'm sure people who aren't collectors would maybe disagree with me, but, uh, you know, I am a pretty big collector of this stuff. We surround ourselves with giant monsters in this room for these recordings, and I take a lot of pride in my collection. And another collector that I know also takes a lot of pride in his collection is my good friend David Eric Dopko. David lives in Seattle, and if you're not familiar with the name, he's been on the podcast a couple of times. Jeff and I recorded up at his house one time, and then another time was uh, recording in Japan during one of our trips. Additionally, David was my photographer for the Hail to the King 60 Years of Destruction documentary that I kickstarted. So he and I have been friends for quite a long time. In fact, David was one of the first people to respond way back in the day when I knew that some of the kaiju casters were going to be up at Emerald City Comic Con in Seattle. And I basically put out a call and said, does anybody want to, you know, get together for like dinner or something like that? And David responded. And that's how I met him. You know, we've been pretty damn good friends ever since. So I hope you guys like this episode. I think it's going to be kind of like sitting in the same room with us, just, you know, hearing us talk because that's what we're doing, talking about kaiju figures. We're going to get to that discussion in just a few minutes because first, we got to hear how Frankenstein has conquered the world. I think we're probably literally going to fade in from this. So okay. right. uh, here at my studio, we have Mr. David Dapko. Hey there, everybody. Ohio gozaimasu. Ohio gozaimasu. We are recording this at 8.40 a.m. Sunday morning. We're having ourselves a little morning coffee and a little NPR-style kaiju talk. Absolutely. And Kyle was was thoughtful enough to go to Yuajimaya which is a Japanese grocery store, and buy us black sesame doriyaki, which is just cool AF. (laughs) See, I used it. I (laughs) used the acronym. See, it was delicious. So tasty. And if if I, you know, sound garbled, that means I have a piece of it in my mouth. But I I, I guess I can resist until after the the show's over. We could take a break, too. Okay, we could. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, David's here, in addition to coming down to see the Leica exhibit, but he's here on the podcast to talk with me about collecting kaiju and maintaining your kaiju collection. And basically, this is one of those things we're just going to have sort of a nonchalant talk about 
collecting these monsters in vinyl form and how to clean your collection, how to save things, how to sell things, how to buy things. We got a whole bunch of topics, and we even asked people on the Godzilla Collectors Group on Facebook if they had any suggestions uh, for cleaning, storing, maintaining, or if they had any questions that they would like to have us cover. And so we have some of those as well. Indeed we do. So, David, uh, let's do a little refresher for people who haven't heard you on the show in a long time. I think the last time you were on must have been when Jeff and I came up and we just kind of had like chatted around your table. Yeah, we actually did an impromptu show. Uh, you guys were here for Emerald City Comic Con, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you asked if it would be cool if we could do a little mini impromptu show from our dining room table. And I said that would be pretty cool yeah so cool hearing your history of godzilla yeah and that that basically was just this is like a long time ago before i really immersed myself into a lot of these groups so it was neat to be able to articulate and express my angle of coming into this collecting world and it was a really good way to introduce myself to, to your listeners and to yeah. to, to people who i maybe, think that was 2014 was it really no i think it was before that you think so? Because I yeah. think it was the same. I thought it was the same year that Godzilla was the legendary Godzilla was coming Maybe. out. Maybe. I mean, if we go back and listen to it, I'm sure you know I had a lot to say about that film. <laughs> um. No, no, no. I think it was, but we had that panel and stuff. That recording. Oh, before yes, you're right. the legendary movie came you're out. Absolutely so, right. Because it would have been in like February or something. Correct. Like that. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. And and we had just seen designs and you know leaks and things like that and. And uh, yeah, so definitely. And I do remember that panel because we were like, I remember you saying, well, yeah, it'd be cool if we get like maybe 10, 15 people here. Um, (laughs) Yeah, we got full, complete, a a large room, full capacity, standing room only. It was a big surprise. It was a a huge surprise. And, And, you know, it just goes to show that the Northwest is a great location for kaiju fans to congregate, um, possibly in the near future or distant future. Definitely. But it would be great. It would I, be so great. I would love to have something happen in Seattle. That would be amazing. I mean, there's a, there's West Coast, you know, definitely needs to step up a little bit because <laughs> a lot of it's done in the East Coast in Chicago. And this, and of course, we all know Chicago is the, is the, the big enchilada, but it'd be great to do a Northwest, uh, show of some sort. I know Stan Hyde would be down. Yeah. That for would, sure. yeah, that would be great. And, you know, I would be down. And, you know, if it's in Portland, that's great. Because that's a hop, skip, and a jump for me. And Seattle would be better? I think Seattle would be better, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. I mean, Portland is good, and I like obviously would love to be able to say, hey, I don't have to get a hotel for this. I'm just going to go down <laughs> for the day. But honestly, like Seattle is more iconic. And uh, like if you're inviting, if you're doing something where you're inviting Japanese guests over, True. they're probably going to know Seattle way over Portland. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's and and just as far as like keeping them interested there's not that there's a lot not a lot to see in portland but seattle seems to have a little bit more of a draw for someone who's coming from a foreign country absolutely yeah so yeah I mean, i'm i'm 100 percent down for yeah. that if that is to happen yeah but. so are we doing this now no i'm just kidding we're not planning a, no, no, a no, convention no. at least not right now it's wishful thinking this episode. at this point we're here to talk about collecting yeah. toys that- yeah, definitely. Uh, David has been collecting for how many years, would you say? Oh, dear God. Um, like, seriously collecting? Um, yeah, let's, let's actually do that. Let's let's define first what you consider to be serious collecting. Because we're, we're hmm. fans. We're not, like, experts. You know what I mean? That's we're not true. the experts. We don't have the, the biggest collections, and we would never say 
Like, we have the best collections of the biggest collections. We just have our collections, and that's what they are. And what's interesting, I was just talking to to you, Kyle, this morning, is that our collections sort of mirror each other because we uh, don't necessarily buy every single thing in a line. We, like, pick and choose carefully what we like. And if yeah, it speaks definitely. to us, and there's all different colors, all different types of material, and... Um, anyway, that is not what you asked me. So I'm sure we will, we will get back into that, but you asked me when did I start like sort of seriously. Yeah. When do you consider yourself to become Mm. a collector of Godzilla memorabilia? I think it has to be probably in the early nineties when I moved to New York city and discovered, uh, children of paradise on Bleecker street, Zaka, uh, so you told us the story before yeah, where yeah, you had, yeah. where you found them and they were like, Ghidra was like, what, oh, 20, $20 no, and no. you were like, that's too expensive or something? Well, yeah, that, that, that's just another thing that just was like surreal to me at this but point. But was that life. before you considered yourself? That was right was before. That, the point? that was at the point because, nice. because the first, the first figure that I picked up in New York city was the 1984 smaller scale Bandai figure mm. with, with the tag on it. And, um, yeah, that that was the very first one, and then um, I discovered a store on Bleecker Street called Children of Paradise. Some of you from the East Coast would would remember that store. Uh, this is long before the days of Toy Tokyo and uh, Anime Jungle and mm-hmm. this kind of thing. Um, the only thing around was Village Comics and uh, and Children of Paradise, really. So anyway, um, I used to go in there all the time, and they had a lot of vintage model kits and and. Bandai toys and Bandai Ultra toys. Sure. And yeah, I bet they had a lot of Bandai Ultra toys. I found myself in there a lot. And then I became friends with a guy named Greg Follender who was working there. And then some way, somehow I ended up getting a part-time job there and I worked there on weekends, (laughs) which was sort of just added, you know, fuel to the fire. And I saw the things as they came in and yeah. So a long winded way to say, Early nineties was, like was the time that I really started seriously collecting. And then I discovered Zaka and then I discovered, Oh, I discovered that I could take the bus from Port Authority to Edgewater, New Jersey to a, a magical place called Pony Toy Go Around. Oh, I've heard tales. Yeah. Of oh Pony my goodness. Yeah. And it was right when I discovered it right at the point when Godzilla versus Mothra 92. Thank you. He just put up his, his two fingers because it is kind of early still. Um, we're drinking coffee, we're drink, man. And, and we're, we're drinking coffee. We're caffeinated. Yeah. So 92, and I remember going in there and seeing, you know, things from that film. And, and the the owners had created this giant pinata-like huge Mothra puppet that was hanging from the ceiling. Oh, that's awesome. So, yeah, that was pretty cool. And then they had... <laughs> That's dedication. Yeah, totally I like dedication. that. You know those things that you see in, in retail stores that spin around and have the little uh, things that come out and you hang multiple things on it? Yeah, yeah, Well, yeah. they had like many of those and they were just loaded with, with Ultraman monsters. The racks? And I think they were like under $10, like really reasonable for nice. – uh, th- this is back when you know I didn't have a lot of money. I was living in Manhattan and I had to be really choosy about what I bought. And basically the money from the part-time job was put towards my collection. That's, that's impressive, man. That's because you, it sounds like you basically got into what I'm guessing is like mostly the Bandai game. Yep. The Bandai was the first, right, right. Kind of when it was getting started. Yes, it was. Well, it wasn't 84 when it actually started, but and then I didn't most of the newer stuff like kind of get in like. 
the, like obviously the original figures that they released were earlier, but like when they started saying like, okay, now we're making lots of different kaiju. I feel like that was like eighty nine and moving into the 90s. yeah. That's pretty yeah. pretty much when I started when when that wave that influx of figures started to come and yeah. and you know magazines like Mark Light. That mm-hmm. was uh, yep. that was August Ragoni's um, and Bob Johnson and Bob Johnson's yeah. magazine, which I was like, oh my god, this is so cool. And um, I discovered Hobby Japan, so I could actually see, like, scroll to the back and look at the pictures of the cool things coming out. And so, yeah, so my my beginning was in the early '90s, and then I discovered that there's cool model kits, vintage model kits. And but of course I didn't have the money or the space living in a uh, small apartment in the East Village. So okay, yeah. Um, and then you know, after we moved to from New York to San Francisco, then I discovered the West Coast Holy Grail spots like um, uh, Kimono My House. Oh my God! Yes. Oh, and of course Heroes Club, which I met Robin Kwok. What year are you talking about here? I'm talking now. This is like 90. Well, I, I discovered Heroes Club when we were, used to go to San Francisco on vacation. But uh, I started to go there when we moved there in 1997. Nice. And so 97. And, and I remember Robin Kwok had a showcase window full of every single band I figured that was produced to that point. All You know, it seemed like everyone was in there. And I remember thinking to myself, man, these are just going to get bleached in the <laughs> oh, sun right. because yeah, it was yeah, like yeah. in the California sun. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, they did. And I I know this because I ended up buying when, – when he veered away from the Bandai selling, like he sold every piece in that collection. And I bought a 1992 Mothra larva that was pretty bleached out. <laughs> but I, I, it's it's special to me because I – Do you I, still I, have it? Yeah, yeah, oh, totally. Awesome. Absolutely. He's, he's, he's in there somewhere. But – but anyway, yeah, that's how, how about you? When did when did you first start seriously collecting? I think what happened is that it sort of came in waves for me. So the very first thing that I found that I even could consider to be collecting was the Trendmaster stuff. Like, oh, and I uh, mm, well, sorry people who don't like Trendmaster. Sorry, it's just but it was a gateway, right? Yeah, so yeah, basically, yeah. I found the Trendmaster stuff because I lived near a Toys R Us, and I was like, okay. oh my god, Godzilla stuff in in a Toys R Us. And it was reasonably priced, and I didn't even know at the time about the expensive side of collecting. So then soon after that, that actually helped me get you know, my feelers out there, and I started looking at websites like uh, you know, Barry's Temple of Godzilla had links oh, right, to stuff. Right, 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 right. And I found Showcase Collectibles. This was when I lived in Savannah, Georgia. I was going to school at the, at the College of Art there. And Showcase was based out of the South, too, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, Atlanta. Atlanta. Which is a four-hour drive away at the time. Mm. And then, um, but one, you know, we would actually go up to Atlanta for shows to go see, like, bands play and stuff like that. So one time I totally went up early and I hit Showcase and I didn't buy much my first time because I was legitimately overwhelmed. I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Uh, I bought the big 1991 Godzilla from Bandai. Yes. And yep. the baby Godzilla at some point. So this was this would have been like 1995, probably. Yeah, that sounds about right. Okay, so 95 is when I started getting my first pieces. But I took a big break. I didn't get anything for a while. And then I moved to Portland in 96 and there was nothing here locally not really actually i shouldn't say that because if mark peterson from dr tongues is listening he'd be like what are you talking about uh this guy named mark peterson had a shop called dr tongues house of 3d collectibles 
And I think I remember He that. had, yeah, he was online too. And basically he had this shop that had all sorts of vintage stuff in it. And so he had like the Rodan that I completely remember going, oh my God, how much is that? And then saying, I'm sorry, I wasted your time here. <laughs> but, oh yeah, I've been uh, down that road before. So I didn't buy a lot of stuff at that point. It wasn't really until eBay came around mm. and I got, I was like, I had enough money coming into my job to buy things every once in a while. Mm. And it was right in the early-ish days of eBay so I'm thinking 1998, mm. right Maybe around that time. Yeah, I I I was a late eBay bloomer, so yeah, I started much later than that. But yeah, but um, uh, your your story about the Rodan reminds me of a great story that I have um, when I was first starting out, and I discovered uh, a store in in the Westfield is called Forbidden Planet. It's still there. Actually, oh yeah, but yeah. It's, it's changed a lot. It's it's evolved into a different different animal now but anyway downstairs they had uh, an area where they had a bunch of bandais and and you know the old uh bandai model kits with the mm-hmm. great artwork on i f- don't recall oh yeah yeah yuji kaida's artwork yeah yuji kaida's artwork yeah. was on the and and that was would always mesmerize me too um so anyway long story short i would notice when i would go in there that they had a great monster series king Ghidra hanging from the ceiling oh cool and do you have i ever told you the story you now that's the one that had the brittle wings. Yes, yeah. it, was, it was the fragile wing eater, but okay. it, it looked. I didn't know that at the time, so I saw it there, and I knew that I didn't have the resources to to pay for it at the time. But I would still ask. Oh yeah, is that for sale? And they're like, no, dude, that's that's the owners. That's not for sale. And I think I'd ask like every other time, like a different person, yeah. just just to keep it in the back of my mind. And I never actually got a concrete price, how much yeah. it was, because it wasn't for sale. And then one day I went in there and wouldn't you know it, it was gone. And I said, hey, what happened to that that big Ghidra <laughs> hanging there? Oh, dude, we sold that. I'm like, what? What do you mean? <laughs> Not okay. that I could have bought it right, anyway, yeah. but the fact that somebody bought it, somebody, I guess somebody had a deep, uh, a deep pockets or uh, you know, wrote a big check or something. <laughs> Good timing, maybe. It was it was gone. So yeah, and um, that actually happened to me with the memorial box section. The uh, the memorial box set that had like all of the Godzillas. The first ninety five one. No, no, the later one. Oh, okay. Two thousand four one. The smaller like, scale. We ones. used to have, yeah. we did eventually get a couple of stores that would carry some vinyl stuff, and right. the, there was a store that had mostly like the urban vinyl, little tiny you know kid robot kind of things. Yes. And then they had the actual box up in the corner. And I was like, dude, how mm. much is that? And hmm. the guy was like, oh, the owner doesn't want to sell that. And then, yes, totally. One day I walked in and it was just gone. And I I didn't even ask them. I was just so irate. <laughs> I just like left the store. Yeah, man. I mean, it's 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 not that we were actually going to buy it, but it's just like the fact that they kept telling us no. And then it's gone one day. Yeah. Because this is this is back when, you know, I was living in New York. I, I could not have afforded that Ghidra. I mean, how it was- much, How much do you think they would have I, sold it for? Definitely over $200, oh, yeah. I think. Okay. I mean, you know, and I remember even before I moved to New York- um. I was still going into the village and walking and looking in shop windows and they had a great monster series 80, 80, I'm sorry, 64 in the window. Hmm. The, the reissue, not, not, not the original one, the reissue, the, the 88 reissue. Okay. Right. And I remember I did go in and I asked, this is, this is before I even moved to the city, how much is it? And they said it was $200. And I'm like, Oh my God, that's so much money. Wow. But I saved and I saved and I saved and I didn't, 
I skimped on groceries that weekend. I think I had like top ramen for, <laughs> for like a couple extra days and I did scrape up $200. You made the ramen sacrifice. I did. Yeah. I did. I did. I scraped up the money and I bought it and I carried it home on the path train and the looks that I got, cause that, you know, that box is long. It's long and rectangular. Yeah. And I guess it's about like four feet long that the box it's oh my big. Gosh. And, and the looks, I, I was sort of like embarrassed a little bit because it's like, <laughs> what you got a big dinosaur in there? You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, that's Godzilla. You yeah. Know? That's my dinosaur. That's my, that's my dinosaur. <laughs> that's, that's my dinosaur. But, it, but I schlepped it back on the path train and then I, I transferred it Newark to New Jersey transit and I took it all the way back to Cranford. And that, nice. that, that was my first, I think that was my first big, 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 like, Oh my God, I have to save up for a purchase. That's, Interesting. <laughs> what would be mine? Uh, something that... So basically, I, I want to say that my collection didn't have anything that was over $140 for a long time. That's kind of a random price. So here's why I say that. I So the uh, Yamato no Orochi, right? Orochi the Eight-Headed Dragon guy up there. Yes. I really wanted that really badly. And I was already starting to collect the other... Uh, guys from that set, right? So they, there's the the sun knight guy and the bird, the phoenix and right, the lava right, right, guy right. and the the uh, the ocean monster. Anyway, that guy was like, it was just solid. Somebody was selling him on eBay for 140 dollars, and that was, I think, the deal. I got him for that price, and at the exact same time, I don't know what the hell was wrong with me. I bought my Mechanicong figure. For $140. So that was like Ooh. peak Bandai wow. pricing a lot definitely, in a sense. Definitely. I definitely. think I think it probably went up a little bit afterwards, but like, yeah, now I'm about to sell that Bandai Mechanicong figure for $40 less than I paid for it. <laughs> but whatever, it's all good. I he gave me many years of enjoyment. Yeah, you know, it it's so funny that the things that we were like initially after and and we now have them you know, in our collections, yeah. like, like the, the ones that see back in the day, you have to do a lot of footwork. You have to like get up and go to the shops because this is, this is before cell phones, before the internet really exploded. I used to look on toy shop magazine. Do you remember toy shop? No. Okay. Maybe, maybe it was an East coast thing. It was a no. big, it, it, I can't even describe it. It was like a, a poorly done publication that had articles about t- buying and selling toys. Okay. okay. Was this in the 90s? Or? It was in the 90s. Okay. It was the, it, I think it started in the late 80s. I do stuff. remember some toy magazines, but I, I yeah. think I never really like, I wasn't a big magazine subscriber anyway. And, and in the back. And again, I'm more of a internet. Yeah. No, well, this is before the internet. Collector. This yeah. is before that. Yeah. And, you know, living in New York City was perfect because you could always go on like a walk in a different neighborhood and then you'd be like, oh my God this is Waku trading in on Mott street in Chinatown. And they have a max factory 1992 Godzilla model kit. See, that blows me away. I mean, well, it would blow me away if I've never been to Japan. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. Like, but it sounds like amazing yeah. that you could just walk down the street and find some kind of stuff in a random neighborhood. I mean, maybe that would be the only piece in there, mm-hmm. but, um, you'd back in the day, you would see things like that. And, you know, you go into an antique store, which actually happened to me in, in Japan when I was with you and I was alone. I don't know how I got separated, but I, I went off on my own and um, 
this is this is a collecting story, so I can it'll, it relates to our topic. <laughs> <laughs> so um, my fiftieth birthday, you know, as many of you know, a group of us went to Japan, and it was one of the best experiences of my life. That was our 2015. 2015. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. You can figure out how old I am by that. Um, <laughs> uh, so long story short, we were, I had a couple of things in mind to pick up in Japan and they were actually vintage because I, up to that point, I didn't really have anything that was vintage. Mm-hmm. So I was, went to the usual suspects, Mandarake and the other showcase shops in uh, Broadway, Nakano Mall. And I, they didn't really have anything. They had a, tons of ultra- kaiju but they didn't really have any a lot of the the um godzilla bull marks mm-hmm. and i i think i needed to have handpicked from japan my first vintage pieces and so kyle and keith and rich were off i don't know where they were but i i'd wandered around the corner to a section of the mall that isn't really like concentrated with co- toy shops it's it, not in the main drag no not in the main drag mall, right yeah and i found myself in there and in the showcase Amongst other just like Japanese collectibles, not toys per se, they had two uh, bullmark, um, uh, two bullmark Godzillas with the with the red eyes, and they looked so good. I wasn't sure whether they were uh, the reissues or the originals. And then I I asked the gentleman to open the case, please, in my you know best Japanese, and he did, and and he handed them to me. And I still, upon first inspection, I still couldn't really tell whether they were. Uh, real, I'm not, I'm not real, whether they were vintage or re, uh, a reissue. Mm-hmm. And which brings us to one of the topics that one of the, the people yeah, one asked. Of the questions. Jordan about, asked, what has the better smell, new vinyl or yes. vintage vinyl? Um, I'm going to say uh, both, <laughs> <laughs> but that, you know, but in, for, for, for very different reasons. But anyway, getting back to this story. So I had it in my hand. He, he stepped away for a moment and then I said, I, I think if I smell this, I'll know. And I put it up to my nose and I smelled it. And I'm like, yeah, this is definitely vintage. <laughs> because I remember back when I lived in in San Francisco in the Bay Area, I went to Mike Johnson's house once. I was lucky enough to see his incredible collection. And he had an area of his collection that had a lot of concentration of vintage figures. And it had that smell, that old classic vinyl vintage smell. I'm like, that is the same smell that I'm smelling on this figure. Nice. And then I'm like, and then I did ask the man as well if it's uh, uh, re, uh, reissue or vintage, and he told me definitely vintage, and the price was extremely great. So I picked it up, and that was uh, my first vintage piece that I handpicked from an antique shop in Japan by myself. Nice. And uh, I came back out with the bag, like, what'd you get? I'm like, look what I got. It's what I was after. <laughs> That's and, awesome. And, and, and then my second piece, this is real quick addendum to this. We were in another toy shop. I don't recall the name. Uh, Osaka? The, no, it was in Nakano Broadway. It was okay. a teeny little place. Anyway, I went in there. Only two of us could go in at a time because it was so tiny. Oh, that one. Yeah, that one. I don't know the name of that one. I don't one, know the name of that yeah. one either. Oh, my gosh. But yeah, no, yeah, I just We my, all have to leave our bags outside. Yes, yes. because <laughs> the backpack would have knocked over like a shelf. Um, so I'm in there, and they had the the medium-sized Popey figure, mm-hmm. uh, Godzilla figure. And I thought that was pretty cool too. This is before I actually got the bull mark. And I asked if I could, there was two side by side. One was an okay condition. One was a really good condition, mm-hmm. which I also thought was a reproduction. And he showed me both and he goes, you have a choice. You, do you want the beautiful one or do you want the one that's more valuable? 
the beautiful one was almost a mint figure, but it had the little boy's name on the bottom written in Japanese on his foot. Oh, cute. And the other one did not. So yeah. I guess in the collector world, not my world, that was worth the, the signature was worth less to a collector than oh, the one sure. without the signature. Sure. But the condition of the figure was so much better and it was less money. So I of course I chose the the one with the little boy's signature. I thought that was more special. And, um, and I, and I grabbed that one too. So, and that was another price that was like, how much is it really? That's really that. Okay. So, so yeah, so that is the vintage and it did have the vintage vinyl smell as well too. Good. Good. <laughs> and I, I can't even answer that question because you can talk I about the new have... vintage smell. Yeah, but I mean, I <laughs> the new vintage smell. The new, the new. Oh wait, that's sort new, of a total new, oxymoron, new isn't it? Smell. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> new vinyl smell to me is. I mean, it all kind of smells like like uh, poison, basically. <laughs> that's well, yeah, not something it, you it, should be sticking your nose and sniffing. It is rich iso, but uh, the 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 smell of vinyl is uh, is lovely, especially in the morning. <laughs> okay, isn't that a line from, or a a sort of That's thin, a, thinly veiled line from Apocalypse, Apocalypse Now? now yeah. Okay, good, good one. Yeah, Apocalypse Meow. But the uh, <laughs> anyway, let's hey, let's actually do another question real quick. Yes, because Rich actually asked since I brought him up, are there any certain figures that you guys have sold that you wish you didn't, but then eventually you got them back? Well, why don't you start? Because I'll think. I have to think for a minute. Okay, so. Over here in the corner, I actually don't know the name of the actual, you know, collector name of it, but that big Bandai uh, 64 that came out in like 1989. That's the great monster, monster series Bandai. That's the one is I that was the talking, one you were talking about, about? For $200. That is the very one. Okay. So I did buy one of those one time off of uh, Yahoo Japan, and I got him for what I considered to be a pretty damn good price at the time i think it was less than a hundred dollars oh wow. it was yeah. used yeah. used yeah. and so like high. i'm very very unparticular about this stuff uh in terms of condition and sort of that i don't need something to be super brand new as long as it doesn't look jacked up doesn't have holes in it i agree 100 you know? percent. and i actually have bought figures that have been damaged samson west sent me a uh mecha king ghidra the middle head from bandai because the one that i bought for $16, which is an insane deal for that, like had a broken middle head. And Sam sent me that for free. And so, <laughs> so you just replaced the head. Just Perfect. replaced the head. Perfect. And it's like, awesome. Anyway, so uh, yeah. So basically I had that figure and then went through a series and actually even the Death Ghidra behind him too, went through a series of like financial hardship times and it had to sell some of my stuff. Hmm really upset about it kind of thing like yeah. it was one of those like that figure when he when he was gone from my collection there was like a hole in my oh. collection from him being gone plus like now that i'm out of that financial problem <laughs> and i can take a look back at it it made me mad so i kind of bought it back out of anger from uh from mandarake at one point but i still got it for a really good deal yeah that's that's the unkindest cut of all is when you 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 sell a figure that regretfully, and then you you want to buy it back, and you end up spending more than you did the first time, which which is mo- more often yeah, than not the case. Yeah. <laughs> so, Definitely had that happen. Yeah, um, I guess for me, um, not, it hasn't happened a whole lot, but one thing in particular that uh, comes to mind is the fact that uh, the great uh, Beto uh, sixty two Kong 
Final Kit came out that um, uh, Steve Seragioli uh, helped, you know, bring to life and and bring to all of us collectors. Yeah, that thing looks amazing. Um, it's a beautiful Kong. I think it's the the quintessential Kong, sixty two Kong available anywhere. But anyway, be that as it may, I have one. I built it, and I wanted a Godzilla to go and scale with it. And I sold my thirty centimeter X plus sixty two which is almost in perfect scale because Godzilla is definitely bigger. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's much more bulkier than the Kong. It's not perfect, but I say like between nine out of 10, it's like a nine in in closeness to scale. Okay. So anyway, I regret selling that because I would love to photograph the two of them. Oh, so uh, listeners, if you have a Godzilla ah, 1962, <laughs> well, well, yeah, yeah, and, and mine's the re, mine's the American reissue. Yeah, I mean, know? I would take the American reissue too because you know I just need that scale now. And the funny thing is, that was going for about 150 dollars the reissue, and now I probably shouldn't say this because I want one. <laughs> they're going, I might even get to say how much. Now they're, they're going, going for. for about 50. No, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's what I was going to say. They're going for about 50. You yeah. know, yeah, but but no, that's that's one that really comes to to mind. Um, also, there was a a beautiful final kit, a, a 50 centimeter kit that I actually built and painted. It's the Altier G1 Nightmare 54 kit. Oh my God. The you remember honey, that, honey right? Honeybones, right? Hu- well, Honeybones, yeah. but it's Altier G1 is the other... Sure. AKA Honeybones, whatever. Yeah. I just want to throw all those oh, no, words no good. out, no, for, yeah. especially for the people who aren't collectors who are going to be like, what are the... Yeah, is this is, English? Is Not really. Um, maybe, maybe some of you guys out there have seen it, but it's a very stylized, scary version of 1954. He's very spiky and angular and... He's kind of hunched over. Yeah. He looks he looks like a nightmare. And if I saw that Godzilla coming for me, it's definitely a frightening. It's one of my favorite representations yeah. of Godzilla. And yeah. Yeah. A, a perfect candidate for X Plus's gigantic line. Gee. I was just going to say that. Wouldn't that be di- You can't dope. see my winks and my yeah. eyebrow wiggles, but yeah. it's definitely up there. I'm doing them too. Yeah. Just so you know. Uh, um, anyway, so that kit, um, I guess I needed the money to buy something else or it was one of those scenarios where I pre-ordered too much and I got panicky. Oh yeah. That's happened to all of us too. It's like, Oh, the pre-orders it's all coming at once. Oh my God. <laughs> and, 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 and usually what I do is I have a separate PayPal account that I use to buy toys. That's not in the regular bank account. Oh, okay. So it's, there's usually, hopefully usually always money in there in case I have a pre-order or something I want. So I don't have to dip into any other savings. So basically what I'm doing is recycling my collection. Sure. Yeah. And upgrading as we talked about earlier. So if I see a piece that's better, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So anyway, um, I guess at that point I needed the money and, uh, my buddy Paul Romero, who a lot of you probably know, who just moved to Seattle. He lives in Seattle now. Yeah, uh, He was still living in New-, in New Jersey, and he'd always loved that kit, and he wanted it really badly. So he actually bought it for me and shipped it to him. Wow. And uh, the sad thing is it actually ended up missing a little dorsal plate on the back. It got lost in the box somehow. Oh, no. But he's a talented guy. He sculpted a new one, and you can't even tell the difference now. That's cool. So anyway, that's one that I regret selling. So wait, you're telling me that if Paul ever sells that, I should be able to be like, hey, wait a second. That sh- You shouldn't be selling that for that much money, because oh, it's completely damaged. That, oh, <laughs> just snap. Kidding. Oh, I'm my just God. Kidding. If, anybody, if anybody's going to get that back, it's me. So you better just like okay. take a number. <laughs> but anyway, so so now the, 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 the moral 
moral or ending of this story is Paul does now live in Seattle and I can go visit anytime. Yeah. <laughs> you so can go it's visit close. In the Paul Museum. In the Paul Museum. It's close. You you saw it. Oh yeah, yeah. And that's the I piece. love it. It's great. And you know, um I love that he has it. It, it ha- definitely has a good home and it ha- it's sitting in a place of honor, but that's one of the major regrets that I have and, sure. and I, if I wasn't in that uh oh my god, I have too much on order panic mode, I never would have actually did that. So so let's talk a little bit about you. You mentioned the pre-order panic, right? So <laughs> it's, a re, it's real. Yeah, the yeah struggle yeah. is real. Yeah, we're we're gonna come up with a lot of terms in this, and if people listen to them and think that they really exist, <laughs> we might be you know trendsetters. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So we have uh, different methods of purchasing toys today. One of the questions we had, I think, alluded to. Is it easier to buy toys today than previously? I think we both would answer absolutely it is easier to buy kaiju figures. The state of kaiju collecting is like crazy today. Emphatically, yes. There's so much out there and it's so accessible, which I think is amazing. It's a really good thing. And and after we finish this, I want to also talk about how people feel about reissues in their collection and if that's a pro or a con. Sure. So with the amount of stuff that comes out today from Japan and then gets imported to America through the comic stores, you could walk into a comic store and get a Marmot figure today. That's amazing to me, right? So with all of that stuff, how do you identify what you're going to get? And how do you, uh, you know, we talked about cherry picking versus getting everything, right? right? Right, right, right. So how do you personally look at that influx of toys and say okay i'm gonna get what i like because you're not gonna collect it all but how do you choose something like that over a vintage piece like because there's a lot of reissues today that's a really good question and because it's not even really vintage you know a lot of this i mean but what is vintage these days i mean what do you consider to be do you consider bandai to be vintage now you know what's weird is i don't i I don't either because i i consider vintage to be vintage for me right like the bandai stuff it was it was when i started collecting that's what i was getting so that wasn't vintage at all and so i look at that stuff as just the start of my collecting days yeah no i mean i guess it, it depends on your age and when you the started shogun warriors that's vintage those I, two I would guys say. are that's vintage, 70s though and then this guy is vintage yeah that's that's 70s and and that would be considered vintage to me too but um those i think are my only pieces yeah you know um i i i'm gonna i i know going down the vintage road is super tempting and but there's so much to learn and to know about it, and there's so many guys, so many collectors that know so much more than I do. Oh my god! Totally. And right. I am just a complete newbie when it comes to that. So I just know what I like, and I think for now, I my goal is to get just the big three: Bullmark, Godzilla, King Ghidra, and Rodan. And I already have Godzilla and King Ghidra, so I need a Rodan, a vintage Rodan, like a nice you know, condition vintage Rodan. So I'm going to limit myself to the vintage, not saying that I would never recycle some stuff and in the future, or the next time we go to Japan, I maybe will come across a vintage piece that, Oh, vintage. Yeah. Don't you remember in uh, Osaka? We're in Mandarake. I totally remember that. (laughs) And John Bumpus said, Hey Dave, check this out. And sure enough, it was a jumbo Popisaurus. In the case. Tell people listening what the Jumbo Popisaurus is. Okay. Essentially. Well, go ahead. Why don't you? Because you you have... So 
so if you've seen the Shogun Warriors Godzilla, the big, tall, I think it's almost like two feet tall Godzilla figure from the 1970s, the Popey Jumbosaurus, I believe, was the inspiration for Correct. the American one. So it's got a, a pull string and it makes a roar. Does it have a shooting fist? He has a shoot. Uh, my shooting fist does not shoot anymore, which is fine. Totally. Yeah. But but he does have a shooting fist and he's on wheels. Does he have a flicking tongue? He too? does not have a flicking tongue. But he's no. much, he looks way more like Godzilla he than does. the Shogun Warriors do, he, does. He, yeah. The, the problem I had, like, even when I was, when I was little and, you know, when I saw the Shogun Warrior in the Sears catalog or in, in you know, KB Twain Hobby Shop. Yeah. I always didn't like it because to me, it didn't look like Godzilla. Yeah. And, you know, I have definite, um, you know, uh, guidelines to what is Godzilla, <laughs> what funny. isn't Godzilla, but we won't go into that today. Um, but I, I, I never even wanted it as a kid. To Interesting. Be yeah. So but seeing this piece it's big too. It's like two feet long, yeah, uh, tall, and this big piece. And I was sort of like, no one else really wanted to get it, or or had already bought what they wanted. And so I'm like, oh man, I, I should. I'm not. When am I going to see this again for for this good price? And the condition was pretty good, um, not not mint, but like near mint, I'd say. And uh, it did not have the box. And so, long story short, I ended up buying it. Yeah, you did. And it was in a big <laughs> giant. Ba, uh, bag, a mandarake, yellow mandarake bag that they actually bubble wrapped and packed it really well. And uh, the good news is coming back from Japan, Keith had to go to the Philippines uh, from Tokyo. So I had an extra seat. Oh, that's me, right. <laughs> and I had a whole com- uh, above head compartment to myself because yeah. it wasn't, the flight wasn't full anyway. So long story short, that was up there safe and like packed up with, co- with coats around it. And so I hand carried him back uh, the Popey <laughs> Jumbosaurus vintage piece from Japan, and now he's one of the one of my. I forgot about that one. I want I want that story to eventually evolve so that he was sitting in the seat next to you on the way back. Well, you know what? <laughs> if 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 I had to do that, you don't think I would have done that? Oh, I think you would have done that. And you know, you know, in the when the. Uh, the flight attendant. He'll came over, have he'll, the vegetarian. He meal. will have the vegetarian bento box. That's right. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. So that's another vintage story piece that I have that was pretty serendipitous and awesome. And, and, you know, things that I, that I love and that I limit myself to and that I will never sell, which is another thing. Yeah. Are pieces that I personally handpicked and carried back from Japan that I will never sell those. Those are super, super special to me. And also pieces that friends, like my buddy Kyle brings <laughs> hand carries back for me from Japan and, you know, goes out of his way to find them. And Alex Chase actually has done it too. And, um, a few other people, uh, have, have done that. And I, it's greatly appreciated. And I think it's an awesome gesture. And just so, just know I will never sell those pieces. Nice. Actually, I will also never sell anything that was autographed to me from a, someone who created that piece or someone who was selling that piece or whatever, uh, an artist, I'll never, I will absolutely never ever sell that either at any price. So that's super special to me. Yeah. Similarly, I would never really get rid of anything that was like gifted to me. Oh, never, never. Oh, of course not. I'm not trying to brag, but one of the perks of knowing people in the toy industry is when I go visit them in Japan, sometimes they give me stuff. Because uh, So people should know that if you have friends in Japan it's very customary to bring your friends a gift. It's called omiyage. And basically, it's only supposed to be a little, yeah, little, a little, present, a little gesture, little gesture a little something 
for so for people like us from America, we bring something from our hometown. Like you bring people chocolate from Seattle. Yep, like, and coffee. Yeah, coffee. Yeah, so all sorts of stuff like that. And essentially, it's it's a, it's a little mini gift exchange. But because these people work at these companies, they're like, hey, here's a figure from something we produced. And yes, that has happened where I've been gifted something that is more expensive than I normally would have purchased just because they made it, you know, and it's right. Absolutely. It's, it's, it makes it very special to me, obviously. And and so that, you know, as far as collecting goes, those pieces are super, super, super special to me. And they they hold a, a place of honor in my collection room. And and yeah, so when I when I speak of the, you know, recycling of figures, uh, they will never be added to that list. So So if you haven't been able to figure out in the last 45 minutes listeners <laughs> we go off on tangents so yeah, uh sorry we're no don't be sorry that's how we talk so uh let's talk a little bit about part of part of the reason we wanted to chat here was to talk about maintaining your kaiju collection not in terms of cleaning although we can talk about that a little bit i'm talking about that whole pruning thing going through the collection looking at items and saying you know what i've had you for long enough or I'm going to upgrade, right? Yeah. So I said, I mentioned er- earlier that I'm going to sell a Mechanicong from Bandai. That's because I got the Billiken kit. Right. So I'm going to upgrade. And you did the same thing, right? You had the Billiken kit? I had the Billiken kit and I sold, I upgraded to the... Um, Albatross? Albatross. Yeah, yes, because yeah. you and I saw that kit, that figure, pre-painted yeah. figure at Tokyo Tower and... It was not cheap, but it looked so beautiful, <laughs> and it has the little. It even has the little uh, element X on top of his head. That's also perfect. You you wanted to talk about things that you didn't buy first when you seen them online, yes. but seeing them in person, yes, turns you onto it. Yes, and I can give you a perfect example. It happened yesterday. So when I came up to <laughs> <laughs> the Kyle's uh, awesome collection room that I'm sitting in right now, um, there is a uh, Ultraman r- remix figure series by acro acro is the company yeah and uh, kaiju, kaiju remix is kaiju remix and the artist is uh yasushi nirasawa yes so he's got a bunch of really cool reinterpretations and inspirations of of ultraman monsters ultraman kaiju and the first and i think my favorite is is the bemler which was sculpted by Paul Komoda, who is a friend of ours. Kyle just saw him at, at Monster Palooza. He's a, an, a really awesome artist who, who lives in LA. Anyway, he'd sculpted that first figure in that line oh, for yeah. them. And, you know, some of them are hit, some of them are miss. And <laughs> unfortunately, I'd say most of them are miss. Most of them are miss. <laughs> yeah, but-, <laughs> but one that wasn't really even on my radar was uh, Doraco. And Doraco is in the episode where the three monsters, it's the comet. Suifan, right? Episode? Mm. I think you're that, asking yeah. a non Ultraman expert. <laughs> it's the one with Red King 2 and Guigas, the sort of snow ape creature, right? And yeah. Doraco is this winged insect like thing, which has a like a beak and really interesting wings and stuff. Anyway, this figure is spectacular. What'd you say the name of the episode was? The uh, the comet Suifan? Yeah, Mystery Comet Typhoon. Nice. Suifan, right? That's the name of the comet. No, no, that's the name of the episode. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a it's the one where the comet comes too close to the Earth and Red King swallows the bombs and they're trying to find the bombs and 
anyway, the monster that fights Red King is is this is Doraco one. Doraco shows up again in the Geronimon episode towards mm, the end of the series. Yeah, but yeah. anyway, this one <laughs> it's not only big, it's stylized, it's beautiful, and it's purpley and glittery. It's fabulous. It's fabulous. It, it is it fabulous. Is, it, is, it, is, it is undeniably outstanding. And again, like something that 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 I, maybe I've seen a picture of it on the internet or in a magazine, but seeing it in person and holding it, now I really kind of want it. Dude, so. when I opened the box for that thing, I think I was, I think I literally just said, whoa, <laughs> it was so much yeah. different just visually in, per, in person. And I had seen color photos online, but nothing is I mean, you have to get a really good photo in really good light to see all of that glittery paint. And there's one more, and and then I'll let you go. Um, I asked you to pick up a uh, Giras and Ultraman set from Monster Palooza from the M1 table, right? And I knew I wanted it. It looked good, sure. You know, it it looked interesting. It, it you know M1 always does a fantastic job, but when I got here yesterday. Mine's still in the bag. You can't really tell, but I looked at Kyle's. The paint nuances of this figure are just out of this world. Mm. And the detail that's on there, it's like, even though I already knew I wanted it, I didn't know I wanted it that much. <laughs> and I didn't know it was going to be end up being one of my favorite pieces by them. Awesome. So again, thank you so much for getting oh, it. Oh, totally welcome. And it thank you, easy uh, to be honest. Nishimura's for creating it. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, anyway, we love so, those M1s. Love those M1s. We love them. Um so how about you? What what do you think is yours? Man, I got to say, uh Oh, I know what it was. Something Gigan, wasn't it? Oh, a Gigan years figure? ago when you came to my house? Uh well, the Gigan, I think the Gigan figure I already, you already kind knew. of wanted. Okay. It was Gorosaurus. <sighs> when I saw your X plus Gorosaurus okay. figure, I knew it was something. It was like it I wasn't even on the fence. I was like, I knew the Gorosaurus figure existed. Yeah. It was a very early in my X-Plus oh, yeah. life, oh, too. Yeah. This was years ago. But I came up and saw your, your Gorosaurus, and it was something about the sculpt of the face and the creation of the eyes. You know, sometimes X-Plus figures have these just beautiful eyes. I was like, sold. And luckily, at the time, I went back to my home, logged into, like, Hobby Search, and got him for ninety dollars at that, the time. That's like that's perfect. It was that's, very. I was very lucky. <laughs> it was very at the end perfect. of end of its life cycle. That's perfect. Yeah. Anyway, so what about selling the stuff that you buy? Like, how do you go through and cherry pick something? And like, how do you determine if something has had its time and it's time to go? If it's not an upgrade? Well, you know, there's a lot of factors in, that are involved in that. One one of them is, you know, we all have a lot of good friends who are collectors as well. Mm-hmm. If there's a piece that's even remotely on the fence that I like, but someone like, I don't know, James Hartman, for example, is, oh my God, I really want that figure. That's a beautiful figure. It's my holy grail. I really want it. That would be a, a, a motivation for me to actually sell that piece. Interesting, yeah. And what makes that hard though, and I'm sure a lot of you have faced this situation too, is you know, you could probably sell it for a lot more on eBay but I'd rather sell it to a friend for a reasonable price and have it go to a good home and just, you know, may, maybe get like a little bit more than I paid for it, but nothing obscene. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I always think that, you know, when you're fair in your dealings, your toy karma goes up. Yeah. And, we've and, talked and about I, toy yeah, karma and I've, a and I've, lot. And I've all, yeah. and this, this relates to this conversation. And if you're fair and honest and straightforward with what you buy and what you sell, I think good things will come your way. And, um, 
so far I've been pretty lucky. I mean, I'm not, I'm not lucky with Gashapon vending machines, <laughs> but we all know how that goes. Yeah. Those are a crapshoot. Yeah. But, but, but yeah. So, no, so toy karma for sure. Yeah, like what you put out there, like, you, you know, you're going to sort of get it back in a, in a sense. And I completely buy into this. Like yeah, I, I yeah. have had what I consider to be really great toy karma in my yeah, you life. Do. You do. Yeah. You do. And, and I think that, you know, the fact that someone loves that piece and you're not in totally in love with it. That's a motivating factor too. Yeah. Like, like, okay, you can have it. It's time you can have this in your collection. I mean, John Bumpus did that to me with the Gargantuas. Yeah, the 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 Gargantuas with the the, the, the actors' M1s, heads. Yeah, the M ones. Uh, he actually was able to get them at G Fest. Uh, there was a very limited amount, and he knew that I loved them, and they're one of my favorite figures. And then when when Nakajima passed, it was even more special to me. Mm. So uh, he one day he's like, you know what? I think it's time for you to have them. And nice. he didn't upsell them, which he could have probably got a lot of money elsewhere. But he he basically he not basically he did. He sold them for me what he paid for them. That's awesome. So you know that that's a motivating factor for a lot of us who are friends too to do that. Um, if that makes any sense, I think it makes lots of sense. But uh, let's actually answer another question. Sure. Let's go from the bottom of the list. Sam West asked, what is a figure or collectible of any kind that each of you owns, but the other does not, that you'd one day hope to acquire? What do you mean each of us? Like, you like, and I? Is there something in your collection that I'm like, uh, mm, hmm, damn, I would hmm, like one of those? Hmm. Or is there something in, like, like you said the Duraco, but that's like a new piece. Yeah, that's not no, no. I, to fight I'm going to have find. to scan around the room because this, I didn't, I didn't know this question was, it's actually a very good question. Um, you, you can go first. Yeah, I'm not I sure. will go first. I'm going to scan around the okay, room. Okay. So everybody should know that, uh, David has been a wonderful slash horrible influence on me because it's, <laughs> it's because of his collection that I have something like the, uh, the toy graph diver sets, which are kind of hot right now. Yeah, they're really uh, hot right now. But right, so but it's be, like literally that is a, something that I saw at David's house and then said, "Oh, I need to have that." You know, literally his his collection introduced me to the toy graph stuff. But in your collection right now, you have some pretty amazing glow figures. Yeah, <laughs> I, got, like, I, I got. I'm I'm definitely addicted to the glow. I yeah, think. I think if I felt like I needed to go down that road, I would probably have to pick one of the the glow figures and like target that online, you know, be like, okay, now I'm going to find that 64 I, glow. I think I know what, what you, 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 you don't know what you want, but you do the, the giga brain glow Gidra, I think would be something that you would. That's pretty. Really, you that's would, pretty. You, it's pretty impressive too. Okay. Here's where, here's where the logistics stuff comes in. I'm going to say no. Because it's so big. You can say no because it's not going anywhere. It's not going anywhere. <laughs> but I'm saying, I'm just saying no in terms of right, like, because right. that's one of those things that factors into what do I buy? Yes. Size. I already have a Giga Rain Ghidra and he's huge. You do. But he takes up so much space that I would never want to put a second one on that shelf. That's true. That's true. And also in terms of cherry picking and selling things, man, Tangent City, right? That's one of the things that I look for is like, I have that shelf now where I've spaced everything out and everything I want everything to be a bit breathable. And like I look at that stuff up there and I say, what fits, what doesn't? Like what visually doesn't belong up there? Absolutely. And and you guys can't see this obviously, but Kyle has his collection sort of color coordinated, which is a really interesting way to do it. Um, like it sort of fades into like, 
blacks fade into reds, fade into greens. And it's really, and, and the fact that he, his point about the, the displayability and the breathability of the figures, as it were, is something that I'm faced with now because my shelves are not as, as open as his. And I have like four deep and you can't really you see, can't see what I've got. Back, right? So yeah. I, eventually I'm trying, it's so hard because I'm at the point now where I almost love everything. So I have to pick things here and there that can go. So a new place, a new figure can take its place. Um, and Kyle is, as a matter of fact, he had, he had a little thing as a, as a space savers. Like I said, Oh, what is this? Oh, this is where blah, blah, blah is going. I'm like, yeah. okay. So he's really, really <laughs> yeah. thinking, thinking ahead. Well, that's because I, I feel like for the past year and a half, I've been at capacity. Yeah. Another I'm at, one of the I'm things at capacity. That, yeah. One of the things that you and I have oh, talked about yeah. many times and with other collectors, let's is say it together. One, one in, one, one out. out. <laughs> Not not always. I not feel like e- we should have a music break. <laughs> we should. We should. We'll be right back. Uh-huh. <laughs> パパくんまちへ行きちびっこぼんがにふくかってぼんがとくいでアニキこんがとおててつないでジャングルへパラソールかたてにおさんぽだそこへおおきなくちあけたワニくんでてきてちょいとまてもう震えてこんがおかばいよくわないしょ会社まんがましょワニさんいのちはおたすけだワニワニこりようふくとパラソルぶんどりぬまのなか Uh, it sounds logical and simple, but it's not as easy as it sounds. No, and a lot of times what happens is I say one in, one out, and that means one comes in and one comes off of the collection ah. and into a corner where it's supposed to be sold, but then it sits there for months and it's I don't sell it. It's not one in, one off. It's one in, one I out. I break the rules. And and, and and again, a situation that arises is is one in, one out is, is great, except for what co- what's coming in is a lot bigger than the one that's going out. That's so then true. you're like, okay, that's that true. just made less space. <laughs> so, so yeah, no, honestly, he's at a point now in his collection, Kyle, I'm speaking of, mm-hmm. where he absolutely has to implement the one in, one out because if it's saturated any more than it is, you won't be able to see them. They're not, they won't be displayed as well as they are now. Yeah. And, and figures that I have that are kind of buried I mean, I don't keep stuff in boxes. Everything, almost everything I have, like 95% of the items I have are, are on display. And, um, but Kyle's are logically organized and they are, 
uh, there, there, you can see almost every piece and it's, 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 it's inspirational to me because I need to do that. And, um, you know, at one point I had more stuff in here, you know, I had, I had Hellboy stuff. I had spawn figures. I had superhero stuff. And like, just obviously as I continued to buy more Godzilla toys, cause let's be honest, the onslaught is not finished. They're just keep, they keep coming. They keep coming over. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as I keep doing that, stuff starts getting edged out or stuff's kept getting more packed in together. Yeah. And eventually I was like, you know what? This superhero stuff, I love the superhero stuff, but it doesn't belong. Yeah. I'm getting, getting it out of this room. And then slowly the superhero stuff was gone and then the spawn stuff was gone. And then I know the spawn is a superhero as well. And then the Hellboy stuff was gone and the Star Wars stuff was gone. And now this room is nothing but Kaiju. It's much more focused. And because it, it was able to spread out a little bit. I, that's why I feel like I have to do that one in one out thing. No, it's, it's, it's not even like an issue. It's not even like a question anymore. It has to happen because but I'm happy to do it. Yeah, I mean, I'm happy about it. I'm happy to do it, but it's it takes some some thinking because you 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 know you you do. I don't want to have another piece that that ends up being in the category of our earlier topic of what have you sold that you regret selling? I don't want I don't want to go down that road anymore. Yeah. So uh, another thing that a segue to another, I think it was a topic that you and I were discussing. Maybe it was a question about do people out there have their collections in one specific room or is it spread out throughout the, your house? Right. Now I hear a lot of people talk about their man caves, right? Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> sorry, I hear a lot of dudes talking about their man caves. <laughs> uh, I, I never call this my man cave, right? Like I own a, I own this house and it's my house. If I want to first up, my girlfriend is awesome and she has no, cares at all if I wanted to put something downstairs. There's a couple of vinyl pieces around the house, but for the most part, I keep it here in this room. Yeah, you do. Me too. And that's for a couple of reasons. One is because it. I spent a lot of time curating this collection. Hmm. Literally curating it now to make it more visually pleasing. That's a good way to put it. Curating is, a, is an appropriate term to what you and I do, and I'm sure a lot of people out there do, your collections and yeah. that, that encompasses everything we're talking about is is falls under the category of, be, of of the collection being curated as it were yeah so having it all in one room does a few things for me one when i'm sitting here recording the podcast it's inspiring to people who are on the podcast definitely as well as to me you're literally surrounded by the subject matter yeah absolutely additionally having it all in one room means that when somebody walks into my house if they have not seen the collection room it gives me a little bit of a thrill to see the, their eyes pop out of their head when they walk into the room. Interesting that you say that because I am very selective of who I allow to go down in that room. Oh, really? Because you, you, you know how uh, the non-collectors are. Yeah. I mean, you never know what their reaction is going to be. Not that I really care. Yeah. I'm not going to stop. I don't care what their opinion is. But sometimes it's like, dude, I never knew. Where did this come from? What are all these dinosaurs? It's like, oh, God, well, let's go. Well, keep in mind, I'm also, I host the podcast That's true, here, so. but I don't. But and... uh, remember Chelsea? So we have, I have a friend who lives in Osaka who runs a bar in Osaka. Yes. She oh, came to yes. visit. I remember that when bar. When she walked in this room, her eyes popped out of her head and she turned to Lady Kyle. She goes, 
are you okay with him buying all these things? And Lady Kyle says, I don't care. It's not my money. He That's, that's his deal. Yeah, no. It, but she's totally cool with it, my girlfriend, Lady Kyle. I'd say most people are really have a positive reaction to it, but that's there, good. there are some who have this look of shock on their face and it's like, oh, you know, you know, it's, 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 it's funny to see how some people absolutely love it. I got to bring my kids in here. Yeah. I'm like, ah, no, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I, I mean, but having it all in one, in one yeah, space, no. I like, I like having the option to be surrounded by this. Plus, like I was saying, like, I've spent a lot of time and effort and money to make this room what it is. And it's not perfect, but it's... No, it's... I it's, mean, it, I love it so much. And it's such an extension of who I am it is. now, I think. It, so. a, it absolutely is. And, you know, f- for me too, you know, it's a Japanese uh, tradition that things massed out in, in, in a collection together, like be it the same thing or similar things, is beautiful to me. mm um, and like, if you see like one M1 figure and then you see 20, like in the same style, but different colors and different sculpts, it's that, that's a thing of beauty to me. I, my eye goes to it immediately. I love, love that. But, um, which, which is a small segue and I know we're, we're taking up a lot of time, but when I lived in San Francisco, when I first discovered eBay, mm-hmm. I was working at, uh, on Fillmore street in a store called Smith and Hawk and I did visuals, visual display for them. Anyway, I had bought a vinyl, I think it was a marmot vinyl paradise, something or other Okay, from a guy named Brian Flynn, who I didn't know at the time, who ended up opening super seven, which is one of my favorite stores in San Francisco. Oh, nice. And anyway, long story short, seven. he's like, I noticed you live in San Francisco and you work on Fillmore Street, right? I live in the lower. Hey, why don't you just come pick it up and I won't ship it to you. Nice. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I'm down. So I, I met him at his apartment when he lived on, in Lower Haight and he brought me upstairs and he had a beautiful collection of vintage, some a vinyl and new, new and old mixed together. And I'm like, oh my God, this is beautiful. These are great little stylized pieces of plastic that are just amazing. And I, ha- they were not on my radar at all. Oh, and okay, that yeah. start Brian Flynn's collection, seeing that for the first time started me. I don't think you even know the story Mm-mm. started me on my, my, my vinyl soft vinyl, uh, love for love for that stuff. So that was the first piece I got, which is pretty interesting. That's awesome. And, th- and then I, I, I got to know Brian and then like I hung out with him at his store, Super 7. And now he's got Super 7s in several different cities too in, in California. Uh, the, oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The store on, on in, in Japantown in San Francisco moved to Hate. Right. I think Upper I've been Hate to that now. one. Yeah, that's on Upper Hate. And, and, and he's got a beautiful really big uh, uh, Godzilla versus Megalon poster with Jet Jet. Yes. It's an Italian yes. poster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beautiful. I have a photo of me, yeah, me, doing, me doing this. Me too. <laughs> I have that same photo of me. Isn't that funny? But no, uh, it's not necessarily as uh, focused on Godzilla collectibles as, right. as it was when I was living there uh, around Godzilla's 50th anniversary. 40th anniversary, right? It was 40th or the, the one that had the big celebration at the Castro Theater. Oh, no, that was the 50th. 50th. Yeah, yeah. So I have the magazine that they released that yeah, year for that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I would work, you know, when they would do uh, shows at the convention center in San Francisco, I'd go and help out Super 7 and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And I was pretty much there every Friday and see what the guy didn't do. But anyway, that was the inspiration of seeing Brian Flynn's 
vinyl collection was was what got me started on it. I didn't have anything until then. I had Bandai, but not the stylized vintage, uh, uh, not vintage, the um, M1 Marmot Yeah, yeah. Stuff. The, yeah, stylized, colorized vinyl. Bingo. Sofubi, Sofubi. Sofubi. So, okay, so you mentioned earlier seeing Mike Johnson's collection. Listeners who don't know Mike Johnson, he is um, he's like one of the modern-day dealers. He basically... He has connections in Japan, and uh, if you're ever on, like, the X-Plus group on Facebook or the Godzilla Collector group on Facebook, I'm sure many others, you'll see people bring up his name every once in a while. But he's been a collector for a really long time. So you've seen his collection. You've seen Brian Flynn's collection. Have you ever seen any other, like, just amazing vintage or just, like, crazy awesome collections? Forget about the vintage thing. I mean, if it's vintage, that's great, but... It doesn't have to be a vintage collection. Hmm. Paul's collection was really good. Paul's collection's great. Paul Paul has a lot of really he his tastes are are kind of all over the place, but he 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 likes a lot of realistic figures. Like he's got X plus. Right. He's got a lot. He's into the model kits too. He's got quite a few Paul, model kits. Paul's collection pre uh, pre two thousand eighteen. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Pre-2018, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He um, he had to sell a bunch of stuff, but uh, I still haven't seen Rich Esos collection, which I'm sure is I've seen it on like on online, on but video, I've never yes, sat in yeah. that room. I'm sure that's pretty impressive with all those X plus around you. Um, who's else says I have I seen? Here, I'll 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 take a stab. So this is not actually somebody that I'm going to remember their name, which kind of sucks. But the guy who runs that toy store in Saitama that I went to go visit, he has his vintage collection on display oh, no in glass cases, and basically it's in the store. So you are walking down aisles of figures that you can buy, and then. The next aisle has these glass cases that you can't buy, but it's like several of these big glass cases, and they are well lit. They are vintage AF. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. It is. It was really. I mean, it wasn't inspiring because I still don't really have the desire to buy like super old vintage stuff. Right. But just being able to see the sheer number of stuff that he has. On yeah, display, well, I, I can imagine, and he's, and he's able to do it at his store, obviously, because oh my you God, know what a perfect scenario yeah. for someone. So cool. Um, I, I actually, Mark Nagata, who oh cool, uh, I was lucky enough to go to his apartment, and he has a huge Ultraman collection, vintage, new, old, whatever, and he actually lent it, lends it out. It was at the San Francisco airport on display for, oh, for a time. Oh, that was so beautiful. And that's Mark I Nagata. That. I didn't see it at the airport, but I saw it in his house. Somewhere I have video footage of all that. Oh, my God. That's, wow. Wow. That's <laughs> one cool. of my many, many, many video projects that has sort of ebbed off to the wayside. Uh, Max Toy Company is what Correct. Nagata that's right. runs for that's the right. listeners out there. He does. And, and his Ultraman collection, he's been collecting since he was a little boy. And he's got some pieces in there that just blew my mind, you know, and, and again, um, uber focused, uber displayed extremely well and curated with care and just completely amazing. So that, that was another beautiful inspirational collection that I got to see. Um, I did get to see James Hartman's Desugoji collection and, and he's, he doesn't have a huge, huge collection, but he's super focused on his desugojis, and he has some now that collectors w- would die for. Like he's and seeing so, them all masked out together in a line. He's got more since I saw them last. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. And, and okay, so for the listeners out there, James is our friend. Uh, he's in some of these collector groups with us. But he decided to really sh- like focus on the Marmot Monster Heaven 
burning Godzilla. Not the one with the open mouth, but the closed mouth specifically. I know he has some of the howlers, he, which is yeah. the open mouth. Yeah, that, that's, that's sort of an extension of his collection, but, but the most part are, are yeah. the, those. So these, it's like, so imagine like the same figure, but just colored crazily through like, how many, like 20 plus. He's got, I don't know what his color number, his number is now, but, but glowing, sparkling, you know, monochrome. Yeah. One that uh, looks like uh, infrared, yeah, you know, it's no, just really amazing. All the different ways that they've been able to <laughs> sell so, this figure to us chumps. <laughs> yeah. So he, he, this, is, this goes perfectly with our, with our conversation this morning is that that's his focus and his collection. He focuses on one specific item and that's a kind of a cool way to go too, because yeah. I think when you see them all together, that, that, transcends just being toys it's now art to me yeah i've seen a couple of other people online do that too yeah. with specifically with yeah. the with the burning godzillas and weren't you thinking of doing it with the gmks i was you know <laughs> i don't know you you sort of talked me out of it i, I didn't, didn't think talk were, you out of it i, I just, didn't think there were so many there's, variations there's more than you think we'll see there's more than you think but. i considered doing it with the geigen one too but uh the problem with the the marmot monster having geigen is there's really only like three or four colorations that i that's like true. that's true and then they produce some really ugly ones and I don't want those in my collection because I have a narrowed down collection. I'm filtering things and, like I said, curating it. Yeah, no, but but uh, again, it's nice to point out someone, a collector who's active in the collecting world these days, like James, who doesn't necessarily do a lot of the other stuff. He's sort of now gotten into stuff that he likes, like a few X plus pieces here and there. But yeah, his main focus are those Desu Gojis. Yeah, that, I've seen him try yeah. try things out, yeah. right? Like, and oh, then, I'll, I'll buy this, yeah. and then later he just yeah. actually, I'm pretty sure I bought my King Kong versus Godzilla X plus Godzilla from him. Oh, well, there yeah. you go. See, yeah, back it's in the day. it's one of those things where, oh, well, oh my God, how could I forget this? I'm sitting next to it now. The perfect example of something that I didn't know I wanted until I saw it in person is when you and I were in Japan. Oh, yes. And Ikibukuro yes. at the Godzilla 60th anniversary show, which had the Toho's collection of, of pieces, artifacts from the film. Films. Yeah. Mostly the show of films, believe mm-hmm. it or not. And if that wasn't mind-blowing enough, uh, at the end of it, there's a an area that sort of melds in with uh the 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 museum display that's actually things to buy. Yeah, right before the gift shop. So anyway, we're walking through the end and I'm looking at it and I think I was with uh uh Brandon, right? At the time. Okay. I don't know if you were even with me at the time. Okay. You may have still been filming in the back. And Brandon and I walk through and the 1995 X plus burning gigantic figure, which was one of their first, I think it was the second one, right? Yeah, it was the second Second gigantic and it was like basically about to be released right right when we were there. Right. It was about to be released in the States. And, and, and when I saw the photos of it, I'm like, eh, it's uber stylized. It's uh, the head's a little small and this and that. And then I saw a giant 95 figure in a case which was at the end of the the display area. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh my God, what is this? This is beautiful. This is cool. This is part of part of the collection. Brandon's like, no, man, that's the gigantic X plus Godzilla that I just got. Cause he lives in Japan. So yeah, he, yeah, he got yeah. his first. And I'm like, no way. That's that figure. So then of course I I had to come home and immediately it was late in the game because they were already on coming. Yeah. And luckily our spe- 
James's name again. James had two, I think, and he sold me one. Nice, nice. I love that figure. But so that much. that one, I couldn't believe I forgot it. How not impressive it can look, and then when you see it, how the detail of the vinyl and the burning part, it's just spectacular. And and that's another that that is a an extreme example of what you asked me before. No, yeah, yeah. Earlier in the show when we were talking about correct. That, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's answer another question, actually. Sure. Jordan Leitner asked, if the house were to explode, or was about to explode, what two items would you grab from your collection? Oh, my God. Because you got to make a fast decision. Oh, my God. I don't the know. The bomb's I, about to I, go I, off. I, I, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. That's I, I mean, harsh. It's so harsh. Yeah. I, I think I might just go up with the collection. <laughs> Take me with you. I mean, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Similarly, what would you uh what would you take with you to the grave? <laughs> what figure would you never sell or want to be buried with? <laughs> Probably one of them would be um the the uh Bullmark uh vintage Godzilla that I picked up in yeah. in in Japan on my 50th birthday. That that would be that's even more special than the 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 jumbo uh Popey uh, figure because it's what I went in there to have in mind. It's one of the first figures that they came out with in, in the Godzilla series of any collectible toy. And I think that, that, that would be one that, and it'd be easy to grab. It's not that yeah. big. Yeah, yeah. I could just shove it in my coat. Um, <laughs> That's a good, point. I don't, yeah. I don't know. I'm um, something that was a gift. I mean, may, maybe my Nakajima sign figure. Sure. I might, Oh man, I might yes, see? The problem. See? Trying to do two. See? Not fair, Jordan. Not fair. Yeah, I mean, you you guys should all think about this at home, like things that you know you would take to the grave or things that you would never sell. That you know that that uh, <laughs> sort of changes for me, right? Yeah. It's an it's an organic it's, answer yeah, essentially. Yeah. Like it's that, in flux. I, three years ago, I would have been like the twelve inch, you know, light up X plus sixty four Godzilla. Oh, yeah, you know? that, that one would come with me too, I think. But I mean, then since they've released that, there's the ninety one X plus, and I, I've also gotten some really <sighs> special, you know, Sofubi pieces and. Maybe the my gifts, you know. Maybe my rubber skinned M1 50 centimeter. So that's a kit. really that, beautiful. That piece. might come with me. Um, ah, man, it's tough. But so, so I think the answer is we don't know. I don't know. We don't know. I don't know. I just think that I'm. I I just like you know. Here's here's a fun. Plus, a fu- what a horrible thing to think about anyway. Totally. <laughs> a, a funny thing to say is, what figure would you like just throw on the fire? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I have. Any. I actually do have a 2014 figure down there somewhere. It was like it was a freebie with some of the uh, yep. some of the promo stuff I got. Yeah, toss that on the fire. Toss that on the fire. Um, I'm, I honestly, I I don't think I, there's anything that I would that no. I would do that. To. Well, that's what your collection specifically. Yeah. We've talked about it many times. Like if you don't love it, it's out. It's out. It's yeah. gone. It's this is the way it is. And even if I'm like remotely on the fence about it, it, it definitely needs to go. And and I have a. I actually like you have place place savers. Yes, <laughs> I actually have a shelf designated to things that are on the way out. That's good. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. That's kind of what I have in a sense. That's what that's you stuff do have. That. The, you absolutely table. have yeah. that. You have a table. I have a shelf. You have a table. But long question from Leslie Chambers. He wants to hear our thoughts on the state of the kaiju collecting community since there's been a huge influx of kaiju collectibles to hit the market somewhat aggressively. Are y'all proud on where the kaiju collecting community stands right now? Do you think improvements should be made? Are things better now than they were a few years ago? That's a really multifaceted question. It is. Well, I first, I would actually respond to say that in terms of the community, 
I have a very limited view of the kaiju collecting community. I'm only in a couple of groups, and I'm not, even though I put myself out there with the podcast, I'm not like, I don't feel the need to be part of like a ton of groups. In fact, I actually left a whole bunch of groups at one point just because I was sort of removing myself from Facebook a little bit more and spending less time with social media. But I think that we have a very strong community. And I think that in some of the groups that I belong to online, the people get along very well and there's really not very many problems. And I think that the groups, the fandom, it's really only going to get bigger because as I've mentioned on the podcast before, this year is like already crazy with kaiju news. And that includes collectibles coming out. So Hmm. I think honestly... We're going to see more collectors. We're going to see more newbies coming in. We're going to, uh, and as long as our our groups continue to be filled with people who are passionate about the subject, we are going to have a good future in this fandom with everything that's happening. I can definitely agree with that. And, you know, as far as the state of the community goes, touching on that again is I've made some of the best friends in my life right now on these groups and online. And that's evident when we all, you know, hang out at G Fest and how we all get along. And it's like, we've known each other for a long time. Mm-hmm. Thanks to social media. Yes. And th- that's the good, the good side of social media. And thanks to having, being able to connect with other collectors who, who understand what you're going through on a day-to-day basis. Sure. You know? Yeah. And I think that part of the, of the community is, is super positive. Um, there's definitely things in my collection here that I wouldn't have if it weren't for that community. Absolutely. A hundred percent. And I think that as far as like items coming out, I think that sometimes too much comes out at once and it's overwhelming. Absolutely, I know personally yeah. to me it is. And, you know, I think that we, we, you and I touched on this a little bit earlier in a private conversation about how we feel about reissues right. versus not having reissues. And I have... I'm on the fence. Like, I think it's good, and then I think it's not good in some ways. Yeah, I think, well, I don't really, and I think you're kind of like this too, we don't really collect for the the value. No, 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 not at all. But what I'm saying is, if you find yourself in the situation where one of the things that has been reissued and you paid a lot of money for is on the chopping block, then you're like, oh man, I'm only going to get that in that sense, yeah, yeah, I'm not buying it to make a profit, but if I do need to 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 get rid of it, I want to get it as, at least as much as I paid for it. Do you, do you know? Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, yeah. So in that in that respect, uh, sometimes you you get screwed a little bit on reissues because mm-hmm. the oversaturation. True, true. Um, I love the fact that if myself or some of my friends missed a piece, they have the opportunity to get it again. Yes, at a fair price. Um, the quality is usually about the same. Sometimes it's a little not a, not as great as the original. Sometimes it's better. Yeah, I don't think I've ever had an issue where um, I felt like the reissue of X was yeah. not as good as well, the you, original. You remember issue. the Mechagodzilla had a the leg was a little wonky. The thirty centimeter Mechagodzilla, the thirty centimeter okay. one on the on all, all the reissues, and, and the gargantua paint job was a little was a little off too. Sure, but I never I had never seen the original oh, release okay. of those. See, I'd yeah, I'd seen both, but but no, I I think for the most part. Uh, again, the evidence is G-Fest, how the community is strong and we all look out for each other. It's a small community, so we don't, you know, we kind of call out nonsense when we see it. And again, that goes back to the fair, you know, toy karma thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that that that's all, I'd say 
a good majority of the collectible community has that same feeling as we do. Right? Yeah, I completely agree with that for sure. I'm looking here and see if we have any other questions that I want to get answered. I think we've answered most of them, uh, except for the ones from Sean and Richard. Oh, wait, what, what, what was Sean's question again? The microwavable? No, not microwavable, oh, yeah. sorry. Please do a segment on dishwasher safe vinyls. So that's like, uh, so we're going to list all the dishwasher safe vinyls right now. Well, what I was going to suggest is Sean, Sean can put his vintage bull marks in the dishwasher and let give us feedback and then we can we can like put it out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Just make Sean, sure you film you, it with yeah, your little computer when, phone. When, when you put your priceless vintage pieces in the dishwasher, <laughs> let us know how they come out. Yeah. Squeaky clean? Or, or paintless. Or, <laughs> no, I would say uh, no. I would never stick vinyl in never in dishwasher. Never. Sean, I'm surprised at you. Never, no. Um, just a little, a soft bristle, bristle toothbrush, and a little bit of light dishwashing liquid, and a little basin of, of warm water does the trick for me. It, okay, so be, jumping over to the serious track is that how you what, yeah. do, you, what do you clean mostly um, like that luckily for me the the room that i have my collectibles in doesn't get a lot of dust oh yeah but certain certain figures lend themselves to getting dustier than others okay so once in a while i'll, I'll put a figure that i'm featuring it for a photograph in the light box i'm like oh god that's a little dusty. yeah yeah <laughs> so i just get a basin out and put warm warm water and a little light dishwashing liquid and i take a very soft bristle toothbrush just lightly do it and yeah. then and then just pat it dry with a towel and and that seems to do the trick. Model kits are a little more uh precarious when it comes to cleaning them, especially like resin vinyl because the dust kind of gets in the little scales mm-hmm. and things. That um that they're a little bit more difficult to 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 and and uh nuanced to to clean, but as I said, I've been lucky that that room doesn't get dusty that often. Sure, yeah. I think for me the way I clean my vinyl figures is I just basically if they have tags and I am keeping the tags on them, I will put, it'll take a lot of effort, but I will put a plastic bag around the tag, tape around the bag. Oh my. And I will actually rinse it in the shower. Oh wow, okay. So I'll waterproof the tag and rinse the vinyl in the shower. And I'm not like wow. submerging it, but basically just to get the dust off. And then I let it drip dry. Mm-hmm. I might pat dry it a little yeah, bit. that's what I do. Yeah. Um, in terms of dusting the collection because I literally just did this earlier today. Uh, I have the Detolf glass shelves from Ikea, and I can't remember what these um, cubbies are, but basically they're sort of like cubby holes when yeah. you were a kid. Yeah. Uh, but they're tall. They're, uh, yeah, they're great. 16, right? Yeah, 16 cubbies per one. They're about five feet tall. And what ends up happening is I will get a folding table. I'll bring it upstairs. And I'll take everything off one of the shelves, dust the shelf, uh, wash the figures, dry the figures, put them back. And that's just like the cycle. I go shelf by shelf by shelf until until it's clean, basically. Yeah. As a companion to this um, podcast, um, I shot uh, an extensive series of photographs in Kyle's collection and the Kaiju cast room. And so look forward. I hope you will, you will all look forward to checking those out. In the near future. You know I, what we should totally do? What in addition to posting those, I would absolutely love to have you collect photos of your own collection. Okay. So that people can sort of see how yours is Interesting. Done how they mirror and each other and how mine is different. done. I think and that's And we'll brilliant. include a yeah. link in the show notes to that. 
I think that can be a possibility. So I guess it will be a little bit not so near future, but soon, sure, yeah, soon. Yeah, yeah. And 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 then you'll be able to to see what the the grandeur that I'm sitting in right now, and and it's <laughs> it's intoxicating and and awesome. But but yeah, no, that's a great idea. But I it, it's long overdue that Kyle's collection gets shown by shown to everybody who hasn't been lucky enough to see it. Well, thank you for taking pictures, man. You're very welcome. You know, I, I it's always a chore and I hate doing it. It's it's dr- <laughs> it's, it's drudgery. So you know, there's one uh, thing uh, David hates I, is photography. Hate it. It's it's uh, <laughs> it's terrible. It's lame. But no, no. So yeah, I, I'm I'm looking forward to showing you guys those. Awesome. You know what? That actually sounds like a good place for us to wrap up. Yeah. Do you think? I think. Or is there any other things you really want to cover? I or think, we need to go get food. I think Keith is pretty hungry downstairs yeah. right now. He's probably like, <laughs> are they still talking? Yeah. He should not be surprised that we are still talking about giant monsters. And I bet he ate all the dorayaki that's sitting on the table. Well, he's that. welcome to it, yeah? to be perfectly okay. honest. All yeah, right. yeah. No, I. it's been a pleasure. And um, thank you all for the questions that you raised for us to answer. And I th- hope we... We, we touched on some of those and, and this was helpful to you guys. Yeah. And listeners, if you're not a big collector and you know you were confused by any of this or want to know any more about it, there are groups on Facebook that will include links in the show notes too. So you can check out those groups at your leisure. And uh, yeah, it, I'd say in general, the collector groups are fairly welcoming to new people. I, I would say that would be true. Yeah. Just don't, don't showcase your Treadmaster stuff in your first post. That's what I would say. Anyway, (laughs) we'll see you for the next episode. Uh, Thanks again, everybody. Cheers. Jamata.